Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us at localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. This is Volunteering At, where we explore the world of giving. Each episode, we learn about another way to volunteer and truly make a difference in the world around you. Today, we're checking out the Special Olympics, where inclusion and community is the focus, looking to bring acceptance to all people, regardless of ability or disability, and they do it through sports. Joining us to go into more detail, we have Amy Dugan on the phone. Amy is the Director of Marketing and Communications in North America, and she even volunteered with the Special Olympics long before joining the organization. Amy, thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad to have you on. And uh, of course, it's an organization most people have heard of with the Special Olympics. Maybe they've been a part of it in some way. But for those who aren't sure, maybe don't know some of the details, just fill us in a little bit on the organization, maybe your mission, your values, just to give people a, a nice round idea of what Special Olympics is all about. Sure, absolutely. And, and it's a great point you raised because a lot of people know the name Special Olympics, but then they wonder who we serve, what we do. Right. Um, and and they really probably think of us in a way that they might have thought of us back in the 60s or 70s or 80s and don't know everything we offer now. So for folks who don't know, uh, Special Olympics provides year-round sports, training, and competition opportunities to both children and adults who've been diagnosed with an intellectual or developmental disability. Um, and basically, the premise of Special Olympics is that we create a world of inclusion and acceptance and understanding and dignity for all people. And we do it through the fun of sport. Sports is a very ubiquitous thing. People of all walks of life can enjoy activities and fitness and sport. And so it's a great, healthy, fun platform through which we do a lot of really life-changing um, and important work around the world. So currently, uh, we're, we're a little over 45 years old. We were founded in 1968 by Eunice Kennedy Shriver. Our first games were held at Chicago's Soldier Field. Uh, but really, the idea for Special Olympics began several years prior to that when Mrs. Shriver hosted camps in her own backyard okay. for people with intellectual disability. And she was basically testing the premise of could people with disabilities benefit from sport and learn the same life lessons and, that we all learn that anyone else who doesn't have a disability learns, whether that's hard work, teamwork, self-discipline, all those things. And lo and behold, she was very right. And that's what led to the creation of Special Olympics. And so you flash forward to today... And we now have 4.2 million athletes around the world participating in 170 different nations. We're actually the largest amateur athletic organization in the world as a result, and certainly the largest providing services to this population. And um, one of the questions I hear a lot are, when are the Special Olympics? Because they think we're a once-a-year track and field meet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we're so much more. Yeah, We offer 32 different summer and winter sports, individual sports, team sports, and we do just about 71,000 competitions oh, around wow. the world every year. Yeah, so the rough math is that's almost 200 competitions every day of the year. So when you say, when are the Special Olympics? We say always <laughs> is, our, is, our, is our answer. And we're run primarily all around the world by volunteers, people who from all walks of life, whether they have someone in their family or someone in their uh, community who they know with intellectual disability, or they just came and volunteered one day and got completely hooked, uh, might have volunteered through their company or just on their own or with their family. They came out, they saw what it was about, they realized how infectious and how positive and just how inspiring Special Olympics can be, and then it chose to become coaches. But without our volunteers, of which we have about 1.4 million around the world, we simply wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. We've always been a grassroots organization where people get involved locally, they volunteer locally, and all that bubbles up to local competitions, state or provincial, national, and world competitions. So... The opportunities for our athletes are, are seemingly endless, and we're all about giving them 
all the training, resources, confidence, and skills they need so that they're not just successful in sport, but in life, whether that be in school or having a job, living independently. Our athletes, we know from being in Special Olympics, have have what it takes mm-hmm. to be far more successful off the playing field as a result of being a part of the movement. Well, and that was one thing I was going to ask. I mean, with the athletes, of course, you know, they're enjoying playing the sport. And I think it's it's terrific that you have all these events for them. Is there sort of that bigger picture of, of leading them into a fulfilling life that they can take these lessons from? Are you doing things as far as awareness for the different maybe illnesses or, or mental disabilities? I mean, how does that all play together along with just the events that you talked about? Absolutely. And that is the ultimate goal. That's the big picture. We want both people who come into contact with Special Olympics, whether it be uh, as a sponsor or a volunteer, a family member, somebody in the community who comes out and cheers, or the athlete. At the end of the day, everyone's perceptions change whenever you're around people who have different abilities. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is to change the world in that regard so that people with disabilities, intellectual disabilities in particular, aren't ostracized. They aren't marginalized. They're understood. Their gifts and abilities are celebrated and encouraged. And that's really the big picture. And to your question, there's well over 400 known causes of intellectual disability. Okay. So we don't, we don't really spend too much time addressing the root cause. There are lots of other organizations who do a far better job of that than us and for whom that's their focus. Sure. We simply know if you are eligible for Special Olympics, meaning you've been diagnosed with an intellectual disability, we welcome you. It doesn't matter what your ability level is, no matter how high or, high low, or how low, whether you've ever played sports uh, a day in your life or this is going to be your first time, we welcome and accommodate everyone who wants to be a part of the movement. And by bringing everyone in instead of excluding, we're helping to model that behavior we want to see out in the world. So really at the end of the day, it's that big picture social justice goal of transforming lives through through sport. That's awesome. I'm a huge sports fan. So, uh, you know, this is definitely a, an area I love. And I think it's it's great to utilize that as, as a tool for a lot of these different things you talked about. Why don't you walk us through maybe some of the volunteer roles that are available? You mentioned that, you know, this couldn't all exist without the volunteers and that, you know, people's lives are changed and their perceptions are changed because of what they do. What sort of roles can they take on to help out? Well, because we operate 365 days a year, I can almost guarantee that any skill you have or want to donate to the movement for as many hours as you have available or as, or as few hours as you have available, we will find a way to use it. <laughs> we, anything, from, anything from coming and helping the day of the games, whether that's timing an event, uh, helping organize the flow of events, handing out lunches, whatever it is. You don't have to have any sports-specific knowledge to volunteer with Special Olympic and, and a lot of our roles. Uh, but you might want to become a coach. And whether you have some of that coaching background or not, it's okay because much like our athletes, if you come to us and say, you know, I have the time and the passion, I'd really like to be involved, what can I coach? But I really don't, I've never coached anything and I'm not a sports expert. For free, uh, we train all of our coaches. There's uh, certification classes that they take. There's training, there's mentorship. So we don't just toss you into the deep end. You you get to learn under the tutelage of a more experienced coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not just for an athlete saying, wow, I never thought I'd be a basketball player. Some of the community can say, I never thought I'd be a basketball coach. But because <laughs> of Special Olympics, I, I've had this opportunity in life that maybe I wouldn't have had otherwise. So we have coaching. But there's also and one of the things people often don't understand about Special Olympics is we're not funded by the government. We're not funded by the Kennedy Foundation. We are funded by the generosity of, of corporations, civic groups, and primarily individual donors because we never charge our athletes or their families a penny really? for their participation. Uh, a great deal of our athletes, particularly here in the United States, are living near or below the poverty level. And that's historically been a fairly true statement. 
And so we know that if there were an annual fee for participation, like you see in a lot of amateur sports leagues, that a lot of our athletes would be left on the sidelines mm-hmm. just due to inability to pay. So their training, the facilities, their uniforms, their travel, their equipment, their lodging when they go to games, their meals, all of it is paid for by Special Olympics so that nobody's left out due to a, an economic challenge they might face. So all that to say, one thing we always need in the community are people who are willing to help fundraise, whether that's putting out an event, putting together some sort of local drive to benefit their local athletes. Um, that's a great way for companies and individuals to help the movement to volunteer, if you will, whether that's making a donation or helping organize something to raise even more funds for Special Olympics. And then we have actually some really interesting areas for people with very specific skill sets. So uh, one of the things people don't know about us is beyond sport, we have other major initiative areas, community building, education, mm-hmm. health, and fitness. Uh, one program we have is called Healthy Athletes, and we've had this program for a very long time. And in short, it provides free health screenings and care to our athletes and people with intellectual disabilities at our competitions. And the reason we do that is this population is medically woefully underserved. Sure. People, I think people assume, oh, they have, they have special needs or they've been diagnosed with this. They must get all the care in the world. Well, the reverse is sadly true. Hmm. So they're not getting the medical care they need. Doctors don't know how to work with someone with an intellectual disability nine times out of 10 because it's not something as part of their education or curriculum. Mm-hmm. Our athletes just don't have access to health care. So we have a lot of athletes who are having, you know, from mild to sometimes life-threatening illnesses that aren't being uh, checked out by a doctor. So we realized that a simple premise, a healthier athlete is a better athlete. So we began screening our athletes and that entire program is run by volunteer health professionals, doctors, dentists, uh, all, all walks of life, nurses. And so we now are the world's largest provider of healthcare, free healthcare for this population. And we do it entirely with volunteers. Wow. So, so there are health professionals listening. <laughs> we would love to have you for, <laughs> for healthy athletes because we're always looking for that. But that's a great example of using a very specific skill to right. help our movement. Sure. No, I do appreciate bringing that up. I, I honestly had no idea other than the, the little bit I obviously I saw on your website. But I think to your point, most people would have, have no clue that's what you're looking for. And that's uh, you know, a service you provide. So I do appreciate that as well. When we're looking at some of the volunteer aspects, I mean, of course, you mentioned you don't have to have a specific skill. You can just come out, be enthusiastic and, and do your best. What would you say for those individuals out there? How could this help them with their possible job skills or help them in their own work? And we're not trying to look at it from a selfish point of view, but there are people out there who are looking for a way to, to sort of improve their skills, whether they're unemployed or employed. Uh, what, what would you say that, that benefits them from that regard? Absolutely. You know, Special Olympics is so interesting because whether it's uh, you take on a coaching role or you might serve on a local organizing committee and say, you know what, I'll help out with raising awareness or I'll help out with fundraising or whatever it is. Special Olympics has such a long history in the nonprofit sector of doing this that we have a lot of expertise. So you learn a great deal. Mm -hmm. It's almost a free professional development, if you will, about fundraising, about sponsorship, about public awareness. And we have so many people who come to us who might be early on in their careers, or maybe they're still even in college or high school, and they want to pursue a path, and they say, you know what, I'd like to be uh, in public relations one day. And it's a great place for them to learn from people who are more experienced, uh, mentor them, and so help them out. And they can take on roles of helping with social media or writing that newsletter or whatever the case may be. So you can really get a lot out of that. And then, you know, looking past that, because we're an international organization, we have a lot of really interesting relationships and partnerships that get executed on the local level. So we have partnerships with UNICEF and 
Red Cross, and, and a lot of those organizations. So not only can you learn from us, but sometimes on that local level, if you get involved with a project, you can really be learning from those partners mm-hmm. as well. So you're, you're getting even a, a more education for your volunteer dollar, if you will. So I highly recommend it. I, I know myself, I came from a very different career before I came to Special Olympics. And it was because of that, my volunteerism with Special Olympics, that I made the leap into a completely different career that I've been considering. And it gave me a place to test it out on a volunteer basis and have some tutoring, if you will, some mentorship along the way. It was great. And I was also doing it for something I was very passionate about. So it was the best of both worlds. And that's where I see a lot of people enjoying about their volunteerism is that whether you're helping mentor an athlete in our athlete leadership program, or maybe you're volunteering at Healthy Athletes um, because you're interested in going into the medical profession at some point, it really gives you back a network of contacts of people in your community of all different walks of life and business backgrounds and interests, um, but also gives you that chance to try out some things and see um, if what your interest is professionally or personally um, that you can gain from your time with us. So I, I think it's a great way for people to gain skills or at least explore things through volunteerism that they may not have another means to do otherwise. Yeah, I, I love the way you describe that. And of course, having yourself as a, an example, I think helps uh, kind of bring it all together for the listeners out there as well. Uh, I'm sure some people that are listening are wondering, well, what would the time requirement be like? Or do you need to have certain credentials or a background check? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are sort of the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what are sort of those details that they would have to have worked out or, or that you could offer them? Sure. Well, you know, we run the gamut. You could come out and volunteer for four hours on a Saturday at a local competition or a state-level competition. You could volunteer for eight hours. And for that, our programs have a very simple uh, application and and vetting process. So you could have as little as a few hours to give once a year Mm -hmm. or once every few months at a competition. But then if you really are interested and it becomes something that that you begin to care about or passionate about, if it's a coach, you might be looking at conducting one or two two-hour practices a week for maybe an eight-week period because all of our training seasons have a minimum of eight weeks. Okay. So we're not talking about this This doesn't have to be an everyday commitment. But we do have people who then take on leadership roles locally, and they're very invested. And depending on what their their professional or personal schedules will allow them to do, they, they could be volunteering 40 hours a week. They've almost made it their job you know, <laughs> in a way. So. So it's really flexible, and I think that's what people enjoy about it. Is you know, I, gosh, I couldn't I couldn't volunteer at the summer games, mm-hmm. but in two more months there's a, a swimming championship or a golf championship or the fall games coming up. So because we're annual, because we are literally everywhere in the world, it gives people a lot of options. And that way, as your time permits, you can find ways to support Special Olympics. And and even if you can't come out to an event for whatever reason, we always encourage people to be advocates on social media or through their word of mouth with their friends and family as mm-hmm. they learn about Special Olympics to encourage others to become involved. And I don't think people think of that maybe as a form of volunteerism, but it's really important to have people who help us spread our message, our mission, and help educate others as to who we serve and what we do and how we do it. So there's a tremendous amount of flexibility there. And, and I, we get this question a lot, so I'll address this one specifically. But for people who do wish to become coaches or chaperones or any role where there is a, um, an intimate amount of contact, if you will, with our athletes, we do background screenings. So uh, obviously the safety and health of our athletes is very, very important to us. Right. So for people who take on those kinds of roles, we do have a process we ask people to go through to make sure that our athletes are, and, our, and our volunteers are as safe as possible. Another aspect that I wanted to ask you about quickly, and, you know, I think a lot of times we're touching on the individual aspect of it. How about from a company standpoint, you know, a business, how can they volunteer, get involved? Are there sponsorship opportunities? Um, how does that sort of all work together? I'll say yes to everything you just asked. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> 
as 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 we, we talked about uh, a little bit before, we are relying upon individual donors, corporations mm-hmm. to provide all those things we need to make special events happen annually throughout the world. So corporate sponsorships are are huge, and we don't look at it as um, you know, we'd love to take your check. Thank you very much. <laughs> we really want companies to be engaged through their employee sure. volunteers and programs because that's when people really understand. Wow, these are what the dollars our company is giving are going toward. This is how it's changing lives. And also, they just become such passionate advocates for that prolonged partnership and support. And then personally, we see a lot of those volunteers who come to us through their place of work become coaches or become choose to become engaged in their own way. So. I strongly encourage companies to volunteer, not only as a great team building and fun, but for a lot of our events, it's a lot easier logistically to say, this company is going to bring 50 volunteers. Right. Well, that covers my whole soccer venue for me <laughs> versus pulling together 50 individuals from the community. Um, and we, we blend them in so they'll, they get to meet lots of other folks as well. So from an operational standpoint, it's very helpful to have companies choose to volunteer um, and then, of course, financially, it's it's essential for us. Sure. The question came up as well. The polar plunge, are, are, is Special Olympics involved with anything with uh, polar plunges, you know, d- diving into the lakes and, and bodies yeah. of water in the winter? So what people don't know is we're actually the originator of the polar bear plunge. Really? There's lots of other charities who've adopted it over the years, but we are the originators of it. And almost every Special Olympics program in the United States several in Canada, and they're starting to become more popular in Europe as well. All do them. It's one of our biggest fundraisers, certainly during this this stretch of the year. Uh, Even Florida and Hawaii do polar plunges, if you can believe it. Oh, come on (laughs) now. We're sitting here right now in the cold and snow of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, (laughs) and you're telling me that in Florida and and Hawaii, did you say they're doing a polar plunge? (laughs) They do. They do. Florida does one um, where they, they take a heated pool, shut the heaters off, and it it gets to maybe 60 degrees, but hey, oh, if, you're, no. if, you're from Florida, <laughs> if you're from Florida, that's plenty refreshing. That's a good me. point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the polar plunges are so much fun, and it's just, a, it's just a wacky and bizarre way to raise money, but people love them. They're so popular, and it's, a, and it's, another, it's another great way that people who say, you know, gosh, I don't have time to coach or commit on a regular basis, but I'm going to get a team together, and we're going to do this every year. So the polar plunges are, are really one of our, our signature events. Well, that uh, that question came from our engineer, so she uh, she had her finger on the pulse there. I, I never knew that. <laughs> she she says she's actually done it for uh, Special Olympics. So that's we'll see. We'll see. Then you're going to have to go with her next time. Then yeah, well, we'll see how that works. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a little low on time, but I wanted to ask if you could share maybe uh, one or two memorable stories you have, maybe from your own experiences, or maybe you you've seen another volunteer or athlete in that type type of interaction. Just anywhere you want to go with it, but just uh, a couple memories you have. Oh my goodness! I know, um, I know. It's tough know, to pick up. <laughs> it, it, see, and that's—it's so hard in Special Olympics because every volunteer you talk to will say, "I get more out of this than I give to it," and sure. that's—I mean, it could almost be our slogan. I think it's such a commonly uttered <laughs> phrase. You see all these moments, and I have one just from this from this last weekend. We had an event uh, as part of the NBA All Star Weekend. Right. Uh, NBA players and Coca Cola helped put on a what we call a unified game. And uh, just a little quick sidestep note, Unified Sports is a program in Special Olympics where people with and without intellectual disabilities play together as teammates on the same team. So you can almost think of it as a, as a really cool form of volunteerism. And it's part of that building an inclusive world is that if we play on the field together in a unified fashion, we'll probably live in a more unified fashion. Mm-hmm. So we had this unified game um, with all these WNBA and NBA players and legends. And one of our players was from Ireland. And she said the sweetest thing, and she was saying how honored she was to be there and how excited she was. And she said, because 
this is the first time I've ever been picked for anything. Wow. I never get picked for anything. Mm-hmm. And so she, she's out there on the court. She's pretty timid. But she's out on the court and she was on fire. She sank like three shots within <laughs> just a few minutes. And afterwards I said, tell me about those shots. And she said, I just, I was running down the court and I was so excited. I just kept screaming, I did it. I did it. I did it. And, you know, most of us are, you, you know, you watch professional players or college or high school and you hit a shot. And yeah, it feels good, but that's what you're expected to do. So to see someone that elated to A, just be included um, in something in society and then to realize, oh my gosh, I can really do this. And I did it in front of thousands of people and professional players. It just, she just lit up. It, it, it changed everything about her that day. And it was, it's moments like that, I think, in Special Olympics that are so powerful is that you see these little moments of victory that, to the casual observer, you would think, oh, okay, they did X, Y, Z, no big whoop. But for that person for whom very little is expected, they often don't have much in the way of expectations of themselves. So that's why that whole self-confidence and self-esteem building element of Special Olympics is so important to us because if someone tells you you'll never walk and you do, or you'll never be able to run and you run the 100-meter dash or the 400-meter run, you probably start to think, I wonder what else I can do that everyone's been telling me I'm not supposed to be able to do. And then they get jobs and they do well in school and they live independently and they get married or drive a car, whatever their goal is. That's, it all stems from someone giving them a place where they can achieve on their own terms and, and build that self-confidence. So to me, when I always tell volunteers, when you're there, you know, you have a job to do, but be sure your eyes and ears are open at all times because you'll see the most amazing little moments happen every time you come. Well, that's a cool story and uh, you know, the way you're able to sort of bring it all together and, and what it means to, to help out with, with all those athletes and, and to your point as well, um, all the volunteers that are helping out as well. Amy, it has been a pleasure having you on. Um, what are some ways people can get in contact with the organization if they do uh, want to help out? So the easiest way is no matter where you live, if you can hear this show, uh, if you just go to specialolympics.org, O-R-G, that's our global website. And from there, you can search and find your local program. And then you can learn more about how you can get involved wherever it is you live. So specialolympics.org is our website. And then if you're a fan on Facebook, it's just facebook.com slash specialolympics. And if you're a Twitter person, then we're just at specialolympics. And you can follow us and you can start to learn a little bit more about what we do around the world and here in the North America, United States area. Uh, we've always got stuff going on. And the great thing is we do such a, a variety of things that there's bound to be something to pique anyone's interest at some point. So if you just check out maybe those two or three things and start to get to know us and find out how to get engaged at the local level, there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to say, oh, that looks like something I want to be a part of. Well, Amy, we uh, thank you very much for coming on, giving us that insight, giving our listeners a, you know, just an inside look into Special Olympics, and hopefully they want to help out. So thanks again for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Volunteering At, again, our inside look into the Special Olympics. And we are speaking with Amy Dugan, the Director of Marketing and Communications in North America. And one more time, if you'd like some more information, of course, an easy way is head over to specialolympics.org, among the other opportunities you can find online as well. And we also want to hear from you, the listeners. Just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any other organizations you're interested in learning about. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.